on today's creativity chat we have james martin greetings everyone he is a cinematographer here in atlanta who's freelancing and i wanted to talk to him about the pros and cons of freelancing slash freelancing after college there are many of both of those you're at unc Mm-hmm. which stands for the university of north carolina go heels you were studying photojournalism, right yes so how'd you end up studying that i knew that i liked video when i graduated high school when i got into college there was a film program and a, a journalism program the film program honestly had more interesting classes to me but i heard that the uh, film program invested more of its resources in the equipment and the journalism program invested more of his resources in the staff. I decided that I would rather invest my time learning how to be a great storyteller and learning from really, really quality people and then kind of learn the equipment side of it on the back end because that's something that you can learn in the industry. Lots of people pick it up as they go. People encourage you not to go to film school. So I figured, you know, I think it would be more advantageous to invest my educational time um, learning kind of the fundamentals of storytelling and then um, surround myself with tools to be able to accomplish that. When you were in your classes did you already know that you wanted to do cinematography or did you kind of like grow into that? Yeah that's a good question. Um, I think I knew that I wanted to do video and I wanted to do videos that looked cool was kind of like my start. Uh, I knew that I wasn't a photographer but studying photojournalism and taking photo classes pushed me and pushed my work because I really liked the moving image. I was really drawn to the moving image and still imagery was a bit of a bore for me. Not that there's not beautiful photographs out there, but um, I just got more of a kick out of doing video stuff. So I realized that I wanted to do cinematography proper probably around my junior year. So as I was um, nearing the end of my time in the photojournalism program, uh, I had learned how to work with natural light, um, which has been really, really useful um, kind of in the industry so far. Junior year, were you kind of having thoughts of, what if I just jump into freelance after I graduate? Was that kind of what you were thinking? When I started freelancing, it was the summer after my junior year, and I had applied for various television and production internships, but honestly, nothing that the journalism school was pointing me to was that interesting. So... To be honest, I just didn't try that hard in those applications, and and I didn't get any of them. So that um, I sort of set myself up to just to explore freelancing, um, and I think I still didn't know what to do with it. It was so much time, and so I like worked on a personal project that summer, senior year, or as I was nearing the end of my senior year, I was applying to lots of different jobs. I knew that I wanted to move to Atlanta with a church plant, but figured that I would figure out how to do video work for the church plant and do video work professionally full-time simultaneously. I was applying to full-time jobs at first um, and then sort of found myself settling into freelancing um, the fall after I moved down here. So I guess the idea of freelance as a possibility came up in college, but mm-hmm. I don't think it became real until I was actually in the working world and I wasn't liking the jobs that I was applying for or looking at. I think one thing people maybe don't really think about is kind of like the administrative aspect of it. Oh, I need to get receipts and like invoicing. It's easier now than ever to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can just post up at a coffee shop with Wi-Fi and that can function as your office. Yeah. Um, And that's doing that on a regular basis is cheaper than like renting out a space in a lot of cases. Um, 
And in addition to that, there is a generator for invoices. I just use invoice generator and it's super easy. And so there's tons of free resources on the internet. How important is it to be paid for your work? Being paid for your work is very important. And that was a really hard thing for me to learn at first because the work that I started being paid for was weddings. And typically people who were hiring me to shoot weddings were people who I knew from college who were getting married right out of school, charging them a market rate for weddings. I mean, it's like, it gets in the thousands very quickly. That was kind of a challenge, but I remember having a conversation with a friend from school named Brant who kind of had to give me the hard word of James, you're a business and not a charity. And so, whoa, (laughs) yeah, which can sound really cruel and harsh. That's insane. Whoa. But it was, if you have a skill, you should be paid to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Joker in The Dark Knight said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Granted, he was a bad guy. Right. But I do think that there actually is some value in that statement to an extent. Now, when your friends who like don't have a lot of money ask you to do stuff with them, do stuff with them or do stuff for free Be that, selective. Will, that will like improve your work or that will advance you, but charge yourself fairly and let other invite other people into that process. A lot of times my prices were not solely self-determined, but I talked with people who knew the industry. Um, I talked with wedding filmmakers who were saying, Hey, this is what I'm charging and this is what you should be charging. And so, uh, not being afraid to price your work and just telling people what a price is. The sooner you know a price for yourself and you standardize a price for yourself, the better freelancing will go for you because whenever somebody wants to hire you to do something, the first thing they'll ask you is what's your rate. And you should try to ask them what their budget is and find out their budget first. But a lot of times companies haven't really thought about the budget yet. So um, your rate can help give them a sense of how much they'll have to invest for your time. Even though it feels cold and it feels businessy and cringy, just put a number on it as soon as you can because that will just save you so much headache down the road. I agree. All my friends that are listening that we've had conversations about pricing, that was for you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Yeah, hopefully that was helpful for somebody. What was kind of your first thought of how to get more clients and whatnot? It's a very slow start. It's hard to just take off like a rocket ship when you're freelancing. Um, but what I would do is I would just submit my work to different production companies and some of them would get back to me and some of them wouldn't. Um, and they'd bring me on for a couple shoots or a lot of it happened really organically, to be honest with you. It was working for people who I knew, working for relatives, but then people hearing about me from those experiences. I just had a lot of many facets of video going on. So I had a wedding video business. I had a commercial video business. I did event photography and I did promotional material for the church. I moved here to help plant um, and other churches who brought me on to do work for them. It was kind of all over through meeting people and a couple of cold call type emails. Hello, my name's James Martin. Can I make videos for you? (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't think I made any any real calls, but I emailed a lot. You mentioned you kind of had your hands in a lot of different areas. Yeah. I think sometimes people think they can only do like one thing. Yeah. How did you end up being able to be versatile in your video making? I thought initially as I was approaching graduation that as I got better and better that I would find the world to be kind of less and less beautiful as I like honed in my vision and figured out more about what I wanted and what I wanted to see. I thought that I would just start like sifting through and kind of narrowing down what 
I defined as beautiful, but actually the opposite sort of happened where the more that I learned about how it works, the more I appreciate the way that light works in a natural setting and the more I appreciate the way that things sometimes are naturally structured. And so I found the world um, as more beautiful. And I think that sort of underlies why I've been okay with doing a lot of different type of work. I mean, at the end of the day, there are a lot of parallels between everything because you have to have people lit by something. Um, you have to frame them well in an environment. Um, and all those principles carry over between commercial or promotional or wedding or whatever. I think, honestly, doing a lot of different um, types of work and sort of bringing my style to those is a bit refreshing. And I think it can keep me from burning out in any one of those areas individually for the time being. What's your dream job? Dream job is to be a commercial cinematographer. Yes. Oh, that's, it's hard. It's hard to answer that because that's kind of the dream. That's like the goal right now. Yeah. And there's a higher mountain peak, which is the feature film cinematographer. Um, and that would be awesome. But I really want to get to the commercial level and just see how I like the pace. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, if I like prefer shorter one-off projects and enjoy those more then I'll kind of stick in that realm. Um, but if I end up liking longer form stuff I'll, I'll like put in some more to jump to that but shorter ads and stuff I think that's more conducive to um, having a life with a family mm -hmm. because if you're gone for just a couple of days versus several months then you have more time to just invest um, and to be around um, so I kind of want to be thinking about the, the the personal plan as well as the career plan and trying to synchronize those I think the guy's name is Carson something right Wait, what? the guy that you really like yes Carson Nyquist um can you just tell us multiple people that you like right now sure yeah um so there's a there's a whole world of cinematographers out there um a whole network of them of just people who are great at making moving images a couple yeah. who I've been fortunate enough to know and work with are um Carson Nyquist he is a director of photography um director of photography and cinematographer are uh, kind of interchangeable terms, um, but he is a director of photography in Atlanta. Um, there's a guy named Sam Lobsher who is here, uh, a guy named Christian Zuniga, um, Jamie Randall. Those are a couple of people who whose work I've really enjoyed on a local level, but um, on kind of a more broad level, there's a guy named Bjorn Anderson I really like, Robin Asselmeyer. Uh, it, there's a big kind of international community. Both Bjorn and Robin are um, from northern europe and uh um but there's people out of la it, it just kind of it just goes on and on but those are the people who i've enjoyed so far who are um doing things that i could reasonably be doing in in five years yeah. is work i like so yeah because the first time you actually made a video how old were you my first video i think i was under 10 years old so i mean that's a lot of progress sorry my contact just started falling out <laughs> you're good you take care of that no it's fine it's back in i said so that's a lot of progress from 10 to almost 25 those videos i mean i wasn't even thinking about like trying to make anything beautiful at all like mm -hmm. I, I think i was just i actually uh i was really into harry potter yeah and i made a video with one of my friends and when the goblet of fire um preview came out we like filmed his like old white like box computer with the little camcorder and like there were huge bands going across mm. it and stuff but we filmed like the whole trailer and uh, <laughs> 
and uh so it was just kind of like humble beginnings i suppose which is how it works yeah um but sometimes i would make like little lego stop motion videos and things like that i was really into stop motion like watching stop motion videos on youtube oh, what mm -hmm. are some of your favorites there was a claymation channel i really liked i don't really remember the name i just remember loving them and showing them to my friends and that was just kind of what i was obsessed with at the time which is a trend that i've found kind of as i get older as a visual storyteller that there are just different things that you kind of get obsessed with and you go through phases like right now i'm in a blue face like my favorite the, color grade <laughs> yeah yeah um but just there's like the, that blue hour that's right between um twilight right after the sun goes down and like night okay and i just love that little the blue hour of time yeah and so in in sixth grade it was lego stop motion but uh now in it's sophomore year of life yeah. <laughs> out of college it is a blue hour blue hour i've actually never heard anyone say blue hour you never heard that term no i only heard it like from cinematographers but i didn't hear the term before i think five or six months ago. So there's a lot of words for things that you just kind of pick up as you go. And it could be somebody just making it up on the spot or they may have heard it from somewhere. What would you tell 10 year old James? If you could tell him anything, what would you tell him? I just tell him to, to make what you think is cool. Feed into those little obsessions that you have. Just like make what you like. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds so kind of basic and obvious, but I think for a long time I was sort of trapped by, uh, by making what I felt like other people would like instead of making what I like. And there, and I mean, when you do freelance, I can't just m have full creative control. There have to be, there has to be parameters and I have to like cater to what the client wants. And so that's a bit of a challenge, but as a 10 year old, you're not making stuff for clients. You're just making stuff for fun. Just be disciplined about having fun with video. It's good advice. Yeah. It's good advice for 10 year old James. Good advice for you now. Yeah, be disciplined, 10-year-old James. Disciplined. disciplined, come on. Well, you're doing a really good job with consistency, sharing your stills. Thank you. You're you welcome. mean like on Instagram? Yes. When I meet other filmmakers and people who I want to work with in the future um, and people who are more suited to my long-term goals, having an Instagram that is continually updated is really good because it, it essentially reminds them of me, one, but two, they can, at a quick glance, look at the quality of my work. Some of them are impressed, but at least are typically like, okay, he's not at rock bottom. Like I can show people that I've had some experience. Um, I know how to create a good image, but uh, I'm still growing and creating the right good image, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Where should the people follow you? You can follow my Instagram account, at James and Jellies. That's uh, James letter in and jellies that's really where i post most of my work updates and usually i'll link my more recent projects in my bio on instagram and you can find them that way you want to talk about the giver yeah, sure Let's why not the giver why not what would you like to know about the giver first off what is the giver it's a song it is a song you you answered your own question <laughs> it is a song by uh, a musician in virginia named nathan kohlberg who i knew in college and he reached out to me like two years ago to develop a music video. Um, but I didn't even had, know that. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, but he didn't really have a budget, didn't really have a vision, and didn't really want to be in it. So it was very much, very, very much starting from ideological scratch mm. with the song. It's a big time investment to do a music video, particularly for a song that's 
four and a half minutes. I mean, that might not sound like that much time, but it's a long time. That's a long time on video if you've made videos before. And so, um, especially if it's, I'm just kind of one man banding it. I knew that I really liked the song and the song was really meaningful. And so I wanted to unpack it and visually express something, which I don't usually do. Like I typically just find an image that I like or an angle that I like and um, just shoot a bunch of different angles and try to make as much pretty footage as I can. With this project, I really wanted to be thoughtful about composition and about the feeling that I wanted to create. I know that everyone has kind of their own creative process, but for you, you made like a little mood board. I did. Is that what yeah. you call it? Mood board? Mood board. Yeah, mood that's the right term. Nice. Okay, explain what's a mood board. A mood board is essentially a template, like a document that shows the types of images you want to create. I drew from a lot of different movies. The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. A lot of my work is inspired by his. Um, I drew from Arrival, which was shot by Bradford Young, who's a, one of my favorite cinematographers. Where the Wild Things Are. I have a really good friend who's a photographer um, named Sarah Kreitzer. Um, I would definitely recommend you following her Instagram once she undeletes it. <laughs> she has a tendency to just erase her Instagram. Okay, I'll try to find her and put her below. Yeah, try to put her website in the show notes. So I drew from all of those things to sort of create the mood board and then sort of just explained what the protagonist goes through and what images and colors I wanted to use in those moments. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You filmed it in a day. I mean, we've been in technically two days. Basically, I realized that all the best images I had seen um, came from a team and from a crew of people. And I've done a lot of solo work up until this point. And so being a cinematographer is working with a team. Uh, it's not just going out there by yourself, which is what I would say the difference between a videographer and a cinematographer is. A videographer, you go out there, it's just you and a camera and the world. Whereas a cinematographer, you have tools and materials and you have a crew and um it's a, it's more of a team effort with this i wanted to bring down a couple of people just to essentially help me out obviously cecily who is the dancer um starting it and she was i mean remarkable and did yeah. such a great job put so much heart into it and uh, i had a production designer who came down with us and then a friend mallory who did kind of additional setups to set up the fire and which is a part of the music video and, and was really excited to get a credit <laughs> yeah she, she was really excited to have her name in the credits there i like to put um my faith in jesus into videos but i'm also wary of corny christian content oh yeah me too um yeah i think yeah. a lot of your listeners too can probably relate to that like christian movies are just like painful and there's so much basic imagery and uh the scriptures are so much more nuanced and interesting than people portray them as. I took a lot of biblical imagery um, from uh, across the scriptures and implemented it into the video in kind of subtle ways. And so um, the video is essentially about the question of, am I accepted or rejected by God? And sort of ends in a place where you're still doubting. It's intended to be kind of a piece of the puzzle and not the whole picture because there is a very real hope. There are times when it's appropriate to lament and I've experienced those times a lot and I feel like there's not a lot of content out there that encourages lamentation. Pretty much every Christian music video you see will end on a positive note mm -hmm. because they all feel this pressure of having to tell the whole story within one piece instead of being content with telling just a chapter in the middle of the story. There's a scene when um, the main character runs into the water, and that's from Psalm 88, um, 
waves rush over my head. Psalm 88 is about not feeling God near you. And the final shot of the video is based on the last verse, which says, uh, darkness is my closest ally. Jesus talks about, you know, people who are um, branches that will be broken off. And so she breaks off branches to build this fire. At the beginning, you know, when there's this peace and tranquility with God, there's, uh, there's like the sun coming up and her arms look like wings and there are birds flying through the air. Um, and when I talked to Cecily about uh, trying to nail the types of dances, I didn't want to dictate those things to her. I had a sort of loose vision of it in my head, but I was more interested in collaboration. Um, I just knew I wanted some type of elegant dancing, um, which she pulled off magnificently. And so instead of telling her how to dance, what moves to make, because I'm not a choreographer, I just told her where to look for inspiration. And so mm -hmm. I made a list of images of God's acceptance in the Bible and a list of God's rejection in the Bible. So um, acceptance being wind, grass, stones, um, sunlight, uh, flowers, stuff like that. Whereas God's rejection would be like fire, teeth, um, drowning, breaking up branches. That was a bit on kind of the process of how it came to be. And it was really cathartic to be able to, uh, to practice something that was personal, to draw from my own spiritual history mm -hmm. um, and my own fears at times and put those into the project. And I think that's the coolest thing about making something is you can understand why you made it and then you can share that with people who watch it or people who listen. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for being on today's Creativity Chat, James. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone else that listened. I hope you have a lovely rest of the day. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>